And good morning. If I haven't met you, I'm Andrew and I, I lead the team here at Trinity. So I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope uh, life is going good. I'm, I'm learning life lessons all the time. In case you're wondering, if you happen to notice all of these horrible red marks, uh, my advice is don't pick up wildflowers without gloves on and then throw them on the heap. Have you heard the news about, you know, giant hogwort? Mine wasn't giant ho- hogwort. I think it was wild parsnip, hogweed, sorry. I think mine was, um, mine was giant parsnip. Did you know there was such a thing? Uh, anyway, there, it is a thing and it reacts in the sun, but there you go. So uh, should you notice that, uh, it, it hurts. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying it really hurts. I mean, you know. We're talking man flu territory here. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, love, um, I love those silly things about labels on, on stuff and, uh, you know, the iron, which said, do not iron clothes on your body as a warning. And the M&S warning on a bread pudding, product will be hot after heating. <laughs> but actually, I'm sure, I'm sure we kind of quite like things that do what they say on the tin. We like that as a phrase. And, and this series, this teaching series we're in, Sir, um, Fruitfulness on the Front Lines, it does what it says on the tin. It, it, in many ways, it's quite simple. It's quite straightforward. There'll be lots of people um, here and online who, you know, the things we've been talking about over the last weeks and we're carrying on talking about won't be, won't be new to you. But we're sure, and we've got testimonies to this, evidence of this. We're sure the Lord is, is taking this simple truth that everyone in this room has got front lines. You've got places where you interact. You, who wants to be a follower of Jesus, there may be one or two people in the room, some of you in the room, you wouldn't describe yourself in that way. But for most of us, we're following Jesus and here we interact with the world. Just like those lovely frontline form students were talking about. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of doing a little bit of teaching for them on their final weekend away. You have a couple of weekends away as part of the form uh, year and also can go on a mission trip as well, by the way. Um, Grace is going to Kenya later this year in October. Others could join her. Um, and I was talking to, and Josh, was talk, we were talking about going to feed the cows yesterday afternoon. And uh, we had a little interesting conversation because at one point we were sort of kind of talking about about, you know, how do you feel, feed cows in a Christian way, in a loving way? But actually what we were reflecting on together is it's the very act of the feeding the cows, which is just as important. So this course is, this, you know, teaching series is not about, you know, I want to be just a nice version of. It's about how we offer back to God. We offer to God the very substance of who we are and what we do and how it connects to the character and nature of God. God's a provider. God's a feeder. So it's the feeding the cows. God's a a homemaker. God loves accountants because there's a precision in creation. If the numbers didn't add up, none of us would be here. God's really into precision. God loves software engineers, those who make sure that things work properly. Because at the end of creation, the creation story, he looked at everything and he said, it's good. And when he, when he uses that, when he talks about it's good and he talks about shalom, being at peace, the state of God is at peace. What that means is everything working as it's meant to. Sometimes we think about peace as the absence of activity. But in the Bible, when God talks about peace and the gift of peace to us, it's the sense of things are right. 
So I hope you hear that if you're here today. I hope you have already sensed, reflected the different front lines that there are and that God is with you on those front lines already. You don't need to invite, you never need to invite the presence of God into any circumstance or situation, do you? But you do pray to be more alive to, more aware of, for the presence of God to be, to be magnified in your senses and you to be more aware of it. We're trying to give lots of voices in this series as well for obvious reasons because in a way I've stepped back from the front line, haven't I? One of the things about challenges about full-time ministry is I seek to be kind of at the bottom trying to serve all of you guys on, on the front line. That's the purpose of your amazing staff team at Trinity is, is you know, thank you. You bless us to, to not have to do the paid work so that we can do this work but to support you. Uh, so we want lots of voices other than our own leadership kind of voices. So we had, didn't we, had Abraham and Etty last a couple of weeks ago from Bangladesh, the, the persecuted church in Bangladesh. Next week, we've got a businessman, Ian Cornelius, who's going to come and share with us about as, a, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's trying to be in day-to-day business life in Gloucestershire. What does this look like to serve God and, and to be Jesus' hands and feet on, on his front lines. We've already heard we've got Bishop Ernest coming. That's a, a different kind of front line that, that we're supporting and it's going to be such a joy, isn't it, after the success of the Three Peaks fundraising challenge and so much money was raised. You can still give if you want because we're, we're wanting to bless them uh, with, uh, with the servicing costs and future costs. But they're now able to look at buying a new 4x4 because we're together over 35,000 or whatever it is pounds isn't that brilliant but Bishop Ernest is on a front line did you notice on the BBC News website the story about a lorry in Kenya that crashed just outside Caricho Ernest is the bishop of Caricho 48 people killed People who would have been day laborers, people who would have been going to market, people who might have been blessed by our farmers' field school project and were going to that market to sell their produce. And those lorries, they trundle from one side of Africa to the other side to Lake Victoria and they just trundle and shoot through. It's a different kind of front line. And we've had our form students, as I've said, with their front lines. Are you feeling this little nudge? Are you feeling a nudge like Rachel Lindot felt? Just, uh, you know, I wanted to do some real business with God. Would you like to grow more in nine months than in the last nine years like the other Rachel? Do you want more confidence like Lucy spoke about? Do you want to feed cows really as an act of worship? This program, we want to invest. We want to invest in each other. And so you have the weekly teaching. You have the opportunity for weekends away with some other great teachers apart from me. And uh, go on a mission trip together. But, but it's really about community, isn't it? It's really about doing life together. And the week in, week out discipline, they have a little group. They meet regularly. They have mentors who are saying, how's it going? That's a different kind of front line. We're going to hear from one of them a little bit later on. 
Uh, and I'm going to be interviewing a couple of people. I'm going to be inter interviewing Andrew during uh, Andrew Whitaker, who's going to talk about Gideons, and that's a different kind of front line, and how Andrew has felt called in, into that. And then I'm going to also interview uh, a couple of our other mission partners. And for those online, um, we are so blessed to have mission partners who work all around the world. And some of them work in places where if their identity was known, that would be a direct threat to them. So at that point, I'm afraid we're going to stop the live stream. I'm not even going to name their name names now, um, but would you just pray as you go and make a cup of coffee and we interview these mission partners and then we bring, uh, we'll come back online together. So that's all, that's all coming, that's all coming up. Offering our activity as worship, whatever it is, ministering, ministering grace and love, as we've said, words and actions, moulding culture, being salt and light sharers. We were thinking about that last week, weren't we? Salt and light sharers, salt, salt and light, you know, light receivers and light givers, wherever God has placed us. And today we're thinking about being mouthpieces for truth and justice. This is to reflect, isn't it, the very nature of God. As I've said, God is truth. God is love. God is justice. And so as we're part of his redemption story, you know there's four acts in the play, don't you? Act one, creation. Act two, the fall. Act three, we're in it now. All things being redeemed. And then act four, restoration, when we're back to how things are meant to be. That's what heaven is going to be like. And here we are in act three of this amazing drama, God's Big Story. And we're the players, we're on the stage. It's not somebody else, we're here. We're the ones he wants to use. But are you worried that being a, a mouthpiece, you know, when you think of a mouthpiece, you think of a musical instrument. Now, I'm, I'm amazing at music because basically um, I have grade one piano. And I tease Rachel, my eldest daughter, who has grade eight plus plus plus, that she never did grade one, she skipped straight to grade four. But I tease her by saying, I've got grade one piano. My dad, my, my music teacher, piano teacher, said he'll never pass. I'll eat my hat if he passes. My dad went into the school and said he will pass. You may know the pass mark is 100. Guess what I got? 100. Guess what I also went back and said to my music teacher and had a very long detention afterwards. I went in and said, eat your hat. Um, I can, I can also do aeroplane impressions on a trombone. It's quite a gift. But when you think about being a mouthpiece for truth and justice, so you're thinking of your front lines now. You're thinking you're a homemaker here. You're thinking you're at uni, you're at college, you're at work. You, you volunteer. You're thinking about your friendship group. You're thinking about being in Tesco's or other supermarkets that are available, wherever you interact with the world. When you think about being a mouthpiece, I wonder if you think about the end, the big bit. And you may be thinking, I can't do that. How can I speak for truth and justice in a loud way? But friends, where's the mouthpiece? It's the little bit. And if you play an instrument like this, you'll know that what you have to do is form your lips in the right shape and blow consistently. God is asking you not necessarily to be a great big trombone end or a saxophone end. Some maybe have to be that big voice. But what God is saying to us, would you, would you just blow consistently? Would you form the right shape in your, in your lips? Is it embouchère? Just turn to a friend beside you and say, embouchère. 
Why don't, why don't all words in English sound better like that? You know, any friend, embouchure. But I just wonder if the Lord might, the Holy Spirit might just want to just say that to you. Maybe you've been thinking this mouthpiece stuff, this living on the front line is for those with big mouths. But actually God wants to use us if we're consistent in our, in our blow on our, on our front lines. What does, that, what does that look like for you? Are, you? are you forming the right shape for your community, your front line? It's as much, isn't it, about presence. It's, much as, it's so much about being there. In, in your company, you know, every company now has various policies, doesn't it, on inclusion. Every company has policies on fairness and justice. And we may be challenged by some of those elements of some of those policies, but there's a rightness in it. Do you let the person on the committee, the staff committee, or whoever goes to those, those things, do you let it be the person who, you know, they haven't got anything better to do? Or do you say, no, that'll be me? If the directors in my business are interested in the, in the values that this business says it has and will live them out, could that be a place where you could just blow gently and consistently for what is right and truth? Because you'll find that at least 90% of the values that your company or your school or your organisation have, we would absolutely share. It'll be things like fairness and justice and truth-telling. So there's, there's stuff about presence, isn't there, structurally. This being a mouthpiece for truth and justice is something about being in the structure of life. You know, we should all be voting. We should all be taking the political process really, really seriously. It's not a Christian thing just to step back and just say, I can't vote for any of them. They're all rubbish. A Christian thing to do is to get to talk to Alex Chalk. A Christian thing is to be, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for any party, but I, uh, we need more Christians involved in politics, not less. There was a prayer breakfast at Parliament last week. There's one every time. You may have heard the last time there was a prayer breakfast, one person resigned from the government and the whole government changed because of the message which was given was about being a truth teller. This last prayer breakfast, Amy Orr Ewing from Oxford was speaking about forgiveness about the power of forgiveness. Guess who was there listening? Alex Chalk. What's Alex Chalk responsible for? Justice. Do you notice a connection? <laughs> so if you've been thinking I'm writing myself off a little bit because I can't be the big bit, how can you be the small bit? But there are some qualities that we're going to need, aren't we, if we want to be, um, you know, at the water cooler, the person who speaks and says, no, that's not right. I'm, you know, that, that would be fiddling the expenses. That would be wrong. You are with a person who goes to our boss and says, I'm sorry, the contract we're trying to enter into is not fair and just. And we might get away with it this time, but actually in the long run, this will not do our business any good. People want to do business with people of integrity and truth. You know, it's hard to be the person who said, no, we messed up on that, so we'll take the hit. It's hard to do that. What does it take? Well, here's a story from 2 Samuel, Old Testament 2 story. It's quite a challenging story, but I, and I haven't got time to go into some of the intricacies, but I just want to pick out some, some things. So context here is that David, King David, the, the leader of God's people, and, and meant to embody all that was right and good, has committed adultery with Bathsheba. 
And in order to get rid of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, he sent him into battle, sent him onto the front line so that he would be killed. And David, in all the chapters that lead up to this, is constantly sending people. He sent Uriah, he sent this, he did that. He's commanding, he's exercising a worldly power. But at this point, God, who is always the bigger story, does the sending. Let's read it through. 2 Samuel 12, 1 to 13. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Just like those cows, Josh. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel." And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. David thinks he's got the power. He thinks he's doing the sending. But the Lord sends to him. The Lord is going to confront him with the truth. Speak to him not as a king, but as an ordinary man before God. Do you need to remember that? I used to have to think of some of my clients when I was in business. Uh, apologies if this is offensive. I used to imagine them sitting on the toilet. It used to make it much easier if I was going in to talk to them and I was scared of them. Neutralized it for me. <laughs> Do any of you need to think about any of the powerful people on your front lines, just as ordinary women, ordinary men, before God? What's going on here? What's needed to be salt and light in this situation? To cleanse, to flavour, to illuminate and ultimately to guide. Well, it's rooted in personal relationship with God. Nathan's own relationship with God, isn't it? He's a man of prayer. That's how he's able to hear God speaking to him to do this amazing thing. He's able to hear God's calling. 
when we were speaking to Abraham and Etty over lunch, one of the people, I think, I'm not sure if I've said this, apologies if I have, one of them said to you, why Abraham and Etty, do you think in this country we're not experiencing persecution physically in the way that you do in Bangladesh? Answer, evil one doesn't need to. We're just being seduced. He's already taking most of us out of the game. Why would he change the tactics? We have so much to learn from others, don't we? You see, Nathan is rooted clearly in such a strong personal relationship with his God that he's willing to, he's able to hear what God says about being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. And then, of course, secondly, he has the faith and the courage to go, doesn't he? I also want to suggest that he's expressing when he goes, he's again expressing the two things. He's present, he's physically there. He goes to David, there's a physical, it doesn't send him an email, doesn't send him a letter, doesn't write to his MP, he goes. So again, I wanna talk about the presence we have on our front lines, but then of course, there's the words he has to use. The Holy Spirit gives him the creativity, gives him the words to use in the moment, to tell the story that cuts through. How is the Holy Spirit wanting to use you? You'll need to have a relationship rooted with God in your daily practices. We call that our rule of life. We always say at Trinity, we've all got one. We've all got a rule of life. We've all got habits. Is your rule of life producing the fruits that you hope to see on your front lines? You might want to take one of those and have another think about it. God's bigger story brought David back to God. Andrew, come and join me a moment. So, Andrew, very briefly, who are you? How long have you been at Trinity? Uh, We've been around 10 years now. Got two daughters living down here, and we've settled really well. You and Jill, lots of us know you and love you, and you're an amazing servant, both of you, to our to our church family. But but you have a, a, a passion. There's something that God's really called you into as a frontline. What what is it? Well, Andrew uh, Gideon's doesn't exist. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it does in America, but not here. Uh, we're now good news for everyone. It's a long story, so I won't go into it. But, um, Good news for everyone. Basically, the old businessmen's association is long gone. Uh, now men and women can be of equal value to the work, mm. and uh, you no longer have to be in business. If you love the Lord, you can come and join us and get involved in uh, seeing soul saved for the kingdom of God. Brilliant. And what, does that in, what, what do you do? What does that involve? How does God use you? Well, we basically uh, take God's word into many areas of life, hospitals, hotels, schools. Uh, We do uh, school assemblies, and uh, we have the joy of giving every child uh, a copy of the New Testament. And um, lots of different areas and avenues of life. We place this word. We believe the word of God is not just any old book. Mm. It's living, it's active, and it can change lives along with the Holy Spirit. And we see so many examples of that 
Uh, we get letters every week from uh, headquarters uh, saying how people have come to faith through finding a copy of this book. And I'm going to ask you to tell at least one story about that. But uh, just in terms of resources, we've got a table at the back where you just say a little bit about resources and how people could get involved. Well, there's a great deal going today because I've got some special edition Bibles. These are really to give you free today, but I want you to give them to someone you come into contact with that you think would value uh, a copy of God's Word. Uh, but I've got a huge display. There isn't time to go into all the various publications okay. we do. But come and have a word with me afterwards. Come and get a free Bible to give to someone. And I'll be happy to talk and share about how you can join us in this area of Cheltenham uh, to spread God's Word and to see this Word placed into the hands of men and women. And, and Andrew, this is very personal for you, isn't it? So God's really uses you have a real sense that this is a, a, a place of service for you, isn't it? God called me, and again, there isn't time to tell the story, but God called me to this work uh, when I was in my 20s. And right. um, yeah, God definitely called me, and uh, there is opportunity now for others to join the work and to see his kingdom uh, advanced. One of our, our younger adults in our church family, Ollie Watson, has been doing it with you. Um, Ollie and Rachel got married and they're moving over to Cambridge. So, but, but he's been going around here. Tell us a local story. Tell us an impact story. Okay. Um, for, for about a year now, Cleve School has been closed to us. Um, COVID did a lot of damage. People weren't allowed to go into schools and take assemblers. And uh, Cleve School was one school that, even after COVID, wouldn't open the doors. And about 12 months ago, um, I, I was determined to see that door open. And for six months, I tried everything. I went to visit the school, I wrote letters, emails, contacted groups that had connections with the school, and nothing, no response whatsoever. So I remember I do a little dog walk every morning quite early and as part of that walk I see in the distance Cleve so I said Lord I've done everything you're gonna have to open this door so um, I found myself a few weeks later on a training day down in Bristol and the trainer was a guy called Lat Blaylock who is the head of the National Association of Teachers of Religious Education he was taking the sessions. And between two sessions, I just felt prompted by the Spirit just to go and speak to him. He's from the Midlands somewhere. And I, I just happened to say, uh, Cleef School has proven a problem. Now, I, th <laughs> I thought he would say, well, never, you know, I didn't expect him to even heard of Cleve. But he said to me, wait a minute, he says, I think I've got a contact there. <laughs> so, cut a long story short, he introduced me to the head of ethics and philosophy, a lovely Christian guy. We met up, I said, can we get Bibles? He said, you supply the Bibles, I'll hand them to the students. And so I said, well, we usually do year seven. But I said, what about the two years that have missed out, so year eight and nine? He said, I'll do those as well. <laughs> so I took him 900 Bibles, he distributed them, to every child in those three years. And he's given me, he's gonna give me a, a slot to do an assembly for this new year seven intake. 
And interestingly enough, to finish the story, he wrote me an email two weeks ago. And he said, I've given those Bibles out, and it's interesting because there were quite a group of people who weren't around for holidays and different reasons, sickness, who didn't actually get one when I distributed them. Do you know, they've been turning up at my office saying, Sir, we missed out. We want a copy <laughs> of God's Word. And so I believe everyone in those three years. Thanks, Andrew. So God opened the door. Yeah. And uh, it's been an amazing opportunity to, well uh, to serve him. Well done. Thank you. Let's again say thank you. Presence, presence, physical and prayer and letting God open up, open up doors. And, uh, you know, how does God want to open up a door in your front line? So our lovely people online, we're, we're going to go offline now because we're going to interview two other people. So uh, we will be back uh, in about five minutes or so um, if you want to go and make yourself a cup of coffee. Yeah, back on. So, Rachel, that was a fascinating story about how you want to give £100,000 to the church. Um, so, oh, you're back live. <laughs> Last voice. So, Rachel, deliberately, we're wanting all these different voices. And I hope you're seeing, you know, we love our mission partners. And, and thank you. You are supporting these ministries directly through, through your giving. If you're a regular giver in the life of this church, this is the way that we, you know, some of the things, the ways we use our money. But again, I hope you're hearing in all these stories, ordinary, everyday things that we can all do on our front lines. And I hope that that story from where we've just heard from that part of the world, you know, our circumstances where we are is not more extreme than that. So let's not get taken out of the game. Uh, but Rachel, just uh, you, I know you have to do a lot of your work online and, and, and involved in that. Can you just give us one example of just how you, you the sense of being, tr you know, speaking for truth, being a person of truth and justice on, on your front line, please? So my front line is very different. <laughs> yeah. And it is spent hours upon hours on Zoom calls yeah. and team calls. So for me, it's, it's challenging living in a virtual world, but it's, it's being able to be, act with honesty and integrity when you're living in that world. When, and business today, you know, it's so demanding. It's so tough. High expectations. And there's a, not all companies have a great culture. So it's being able to, to stand up and say, you know, when you see somebody being treated unfairly, it's being able to report it to my manager. I don't think it's appropriate. It's being able to do that. It's being able to be honest when a project isn't going to deliver either on time or deliver what it was ever meant to deliver um, because that's going to go against me, obviously, you know, my performance. So, yeah, it's all about honesty, integrity, being kind, being compassionate, and that's a bit challenging on the Zoom calls <laughs> when you want to put an arm around someone. Um, but, yes, when it's just being kind and giving over the whole day to God right at the beginning, not halfway through, but right at the beginning. Brilliant. Thank you. Let's say thank you to Rachel. Rachel.